Our gracious God, we pray that you might prepare every heart to receive your word today. And we pray that you might speak to our hearts today and through the week so that we might always be prepared and take advantage of every opportunity to be your witness and to share and live the good news. And now, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. Amen. You know, many years ago, before they had those cameras, you know, at the uh, intersections, you know, tra at traffic lights, that'll take your picture if you run a red light. I hope you haven't had that experience. I wish I could say I hadn't. But many years ago, a story is told about a passenger who was riding through Manhattan with a reckless cab driver. Now, when the cab driver ran a red light, the pastor exclaimed, hey, what's your problem? That was a red light. The cabbie said, oh, don't worry about it. My brother drives a cab too, and he does that all the time. Well, the passenger gritted his teeth and tried to remain calm, but he lost his cool when the cab driver ran a second red light. Are you insane, the pastor asked. You're just asking for trouble. Don't worry about it, the cabbie said. My brother does that all the time, and nothing's ever happened to him. Well, they approached the third intersection, only this time the cab driver started slowing down and stopped for a green light. What's your problem, the pastor asked. The light's green. Yeah, said the cabbie, but you never know when my brother might be coming through. <laughs> now, that's a dumb joke to be sure. But it illustrates a point. At least the cab driver was prepared because he never knew when his brother might be coming through running another red light. And you know what? We never know when our Lord may return. We need to be prepared and make ourselves ready during this interim time between what I call the already and the not yet. The already and the not yet. You know, life is filled with interims. Think about it. Life is filled with interims. What is an interim? Well, you know, Webster's Dictionary defines interim as an interval of time between one event, process, or period and another. Let me repeat that. Webster's Dictionary defines interim as an interval of time between one event, process, or period and another. And you know, we live in a variety of interims. For example, all of us, without exception, are living in the most basic interim of all. We live in the interim between our birth and our death. And what do we call that interim? Life. That's right. We call it life. Many high school graduates live through the interim, or will be living in the interim, through graduation after high school and entrance into college. And you all will be doing that before too long. I can assure you. And you know, as Christians, we're living in the interim between Christ's ascension into heaven from the Mount of Olives and his future return. And as a church, First United Methodist Church Carrollton is living in the interim between the departure of our last pastor, Reverend Doug Miller, and the arrival of a new pastor in July. So we live in a variety of interims. Well, today, 
I'd like us to look at two of these interims, and I want to I want to really like I would like to make three points based on our two texts today. So, if you'd like to follow along, you should have a outline uh, with uh, my my sermon, and I encourage you to fill in the blanks, um, take it home, see what God may be saying to you this week. If nothing else, filling in the blanks will keep you awake. Okay, so. Um, Please do that, and uh, if you want some cheat, uh, cheat sheet, you can watch the PowerPoint presentation. So you can either follow along with the bulletin insert or the PowerPoint presentation. So let's begin with the first point. First of all, as Christians, we're living in an interim. As Christians, we're living in an interim. Now, as I indicated earlier, we're living in the interim between Christ's ascension into heaven and his second coming. And you know, we don't know how long that interim will be. No one knows when Christ will return. No one. In fact, Jesus makes that clear in our text today from the Gospel of Mark, doesn't he? Remember what he said? But about that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert, for you do not know when that time will come. You do not know when that time will come. You know, unfortunately, Jesus' words haven't prevented some people over the centuries from trying to predict when he will return. Lots of books have been written where people set out timetables, trying to interpret contemporary events, and to try and predict when Christ will return. Now, one who comes to my mind in recent years was a man by the name of Hal Lindsey. How many of you have ever heard of Hal Lindsey? Okay, I see a few hands. Some of you who are too young probably uh, don't know who he is. But let me tell you, and I'm aging myself here, but way back in the 1970s, he wrote a best-selling book entitled The Late Great Planet Earth. The Late Great Planet Earth. And in that book, Lindsay suggested by interpreting contemporary events according to the Bible that Christ could very well return before the end of the 70s. Now, that didn't happen. So he wrote another book in the 1980s entitled The Coming Armageddon. And in that book, he argued that Christ could very well return before the end of the 80s. Well, that didn't occur either. So in the 1990s, he wrote another book entitled The Final Countdown, in which he argued that Christ could very well return before the end of the century. Now, obviously, that has not happened. But it hasn't prevented Lindsay and others from making these predictions. But Jesus makes it very clear. Instead of spending our time speculating and putting together chronological maps as to when Christ would return, we would do better to carry out the task that Christ has for us. And what are those tasks? What's Matthew 28 say? Remember the Great Commission? Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching to them to observe everything I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That is the task and the work that Christ has for us. And it's in doing that that we make ourselves ready for whenever Christ returns. That's what he calls us to do and to be. 
in some of his final instructions to his disciples in the first chapter of Acts, I believe it's Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said to his disciples, You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the utter ends of the earth. He has commissioned us to be his witnesses, to share and be the good news of Jesus Christ in the world. You know, it's not, not enough to just share the good news through our words. We need to live it through our lives. People aren't so much listening to our words, but they are looking at how we live. They are looking at how we live. I remember, uh, I think St. Francis of Sissy once said, preach the gospel by all means, preach the gospel every way you can, use words if necessary. We're really preaching through our lives. Someone once wrote, you may be the only Bible some people ever read. So let me ask you, when people look at our lives, what kind of Bible are they reading? What kind of Bible are they reading? So, first of all, as Christians, we're living in an interim. And that brings us to the second point I want to make about interims this morning. Second, as a church, we're also living in an interim. Second, as a church, we're also living in an interim. We're living in the interim between the exit of our last pastor, Reverend Doug Miller, and the appointment of a new pastor here in July. Now, as your interim pastor... I'm responsible to lead you through what we call four formative tasks. And by working through these tasks, we prepare ourselves for the next pastor. I'd like to briefly touch upon those four tasks this morning. The first task we're going to be working on together is the task of identity. The task of identity. Identity asks the question, who are we as a church? Not who were we 5 or 10 or 20 years ago. Not who would we like to be. Not who do we think we are, but who are we in actuality? And one of the best ways of answering that question is by revisiting our history. And by the way, in the next few weeks, you're going to have an opportunity to share with me your take on our history as a church. Because I'm going to be hosting a series of what I call listening parties. There'll be sign-up sheets here next week, and I hope that you will sign up for one of several times, because I want to hear from you. I want to hear your take on our history as a church, and I want us to visit the high points and the low points, the times of celebration, and the times of challenge. But I want to hear it all. And so I think this will be helpful for us to get to know who we are, because we can't really know who we are if we don't know from where we've come. Does that make sense? So we're going to be working through the task of identity. A second formative task we're going to be working on together is the task of direction. The task of direction, and that's closely related to identity. Direction asks the question, where are we headed as a church? Now, I take it, I'm pretty sure your church has a mission statement, right? The real question is, how many of you know what that mission statement is and could repeat it? Dr. Peter Steinke, a church consultant, has pointed out, that for a mission statement to work, to be viable, it should be so easy to remember that you could repeat it if you were held under gunpoint or a 12-year-old could repeat it. Now, if you can't repeat that, your mission statement under those circumstances, then you may need a new mission statement. So that's one of the things we're going to need to look at. But the second formative task we're going to be working on together is the task of direction. Direction. A third formative task we're going to be working on together is the task of leadership. 
the task of leadership. Leadership asks the question, who will get us there? Who will get us there? Now, I want to explain to you that with every change of pastors, and don't be upset or startled by this, but with every change of pastors, there comes a change of lay leadership. Former leaders tend to step aside and new leaders come forward. And that's par for the course. So if you see this happening in the next few months, please don't be upset. It's normal, all right? But the real question is this. Will our leaders be equipped to be the emotionally and spiritually mature leaders they're called to be? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. What I'm saying is, will our leaders have the tools and the skills to manage their anxiety and manage uh, their stress and emotions. You see, I don't care how smart we may be. I don't care how intelligent and well-educated we may be. I don't care how capable and talented and gifted we may be. If we can't manage our emotions and our anxieties, we will not be an effective leader. That's what spiritual maturity in Christ is about. And so in order to address that need, in January, I'm going to be offering a series of leadership training workshops. And I want to encourage all of our leaders to attend. I guarantee you this will help you not only in this church, but in your relationships with your wife or husband, your family, at work, wherever you interact with family. You will gather some skills that will be helpful for you and help all of us to manage ourselves and manage our anxiety. It's very important. So we're called to emotional and spiritual maturity in Christ. And I hope that you'll sign up for one of those workshops beginning in January. Now, another way we're going to address the leadership task is I want us to revisit our job descriptions. And I don't mean so much staff job descriptions as the job descriptions for our lay leaders. What job descriptions do we have for our staff parish chair, for our finance chair, for our uh, evangelism chair? For our lay leader and our lay representative to the annual conference, do we have job descriptions? You see, we can't know how successful we are in ministry if we don't have some instrument to measure our effectiveness. So if we don't have job descriptions, we need them. And if we do, we may need to revisit them because jobs sometimes change. So that's the second way we're going to address the leadership task. So leadership is a third formative task. The fourth formative task we're going to work on together is the task of connection. The task of connection. Connection asks the question, what resources are available to us for ministry? What resources are available to us for ministry? Now, as United Methodists, we are a part of a connectional church that extends throughout the entire world. We're a part of the North Texas Conference, but we're also a part of the United Methodist Church, not just in this nation, but throughout the world. And you know, we have resources that we may not even be aware of that we can utilize. We also have resources in each other. So what I'm going to be working to do is to strengthen our connection with one another, strengthen our connection with the North Texas Conference, and strengthen our connection with the United Methodist Church. So, connection is the fourth formative task we're going to be working on together. We have four formative tasks to work on. Identity, direction, leadership, connection. We have ten months and, not a, and a lot of work and not much time to do it. So, please be in prayer for me and our church because we got a lot of work to do. So, second point is, as a church, we're also living in an interim. And that brings us to the third and final point. 
Third and finally, we must actively prepare during this interim time. Third and finally, we must actively prepare during this interim time. That leads us to our second text from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16. Notice what Paul writes. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. You know, there are a couple of Greek words that are used in the New Testament for our word time. The first Greek word you're probably familiar with, it's the word chronos. Chronos, from which we derive our word chronological. Chronos time is chronological time. It's time is duration. Time that simply goes on and on without any purpose or direction. Time is measured by calendars and clocks. Now, that's not the word that Paul uses here. He uses a different word with a completely different meaning. He uses the word kairos. Kairos. I see some of you know that, that word. Now, kairos time is just the right time. It's meaningful and purposeful time. It's an opportune time, or time is opportunity. And so what Paul writes here is making the most of every kairos, or opportunity, because the days are evil. Now, why did Paul write that? Well, you know, Paul believed that Christ could return at any moment. And he believed that we should utilize every opportunity to share the good news of Christ, to make disciples, to be the good news, using every opportunity. And that's what he's telling us to do. And you know, Jesus is making the same point in our gospel reading. When Jesus told the parable of the doorkeeper. You remember he told that story about a homeowner who has several servants. And he appoints one servant to be the doorkeeper. To watch the door to protect the house from being broken into or burglarized. And then the homeowner goes on a long journey and he's gone for a long time. And when he comes back, what does he find? What's the doorkeeper doing? He's asleep. He's napping on the job. Jesus' point is that we need to always be ready whenever he returns. And the way we make ourselves ready is making disciples of Jesus Christ. Being and living the good news. And as Paul would add, utilizing every opportunity to forward the kingdom, and to share the good news. So, we need to make the most of this interim time and utilize every opportunity as we prepare our church for a new pastor and as we make ourselves ready for Christ's return. I want to close this last illustration. You might recall several years ago that former Dallas Cowboys running back Emmett Smith was inducted in the NFL Hall of Fame at one of the Super Bowls. Do you remember that? That was about, what, eight, ten years ago? Maybe a little bit longer. Let me ask you something. What made Emmett Smith such a phenomenal running back? Why was he so successful? Was he bigger and stronger than other running backs in the NFL? Not really. There were other running backs much bigger and much stronger than he was. One who comes to my mind is Earl Campbell. You remember Earl Campbell? He used to play for the old Oilers, which no longer exist. But Earl Campbell was a huge hulk of a man who would simply bulldoze through defensive lines. He'd simply run over people. He was so big and powerful. But that wasn't Emmett Smith's style. So what made Emmett Smith such a successful running back? Was he faster than other running backs in the NFL? Again, the answer is no. Remember Tony Dorsett? 
Tony Dorsett had played for the Cowboys as a running back in the 70s and 80s. When you gave Tony the ball, he was gone. He was gone. He was faster than Emmett Smith will ever be. So what made Emmett Smith such a phenomenal running back? You know what it was? It was his ability to recognize holes and openings in the defensive line and to run through those holes. Nobody could do that better than Emmett Smith. The way he could zig and zag. You see, he was able to recognize opportunities and utilize them quickly. And as Christians, we could learn something from Emmett Smith. That's what Paul and Jesus are telling us to do today. We need to recognize the opportunities that we have to share the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, there's a lot of hurting people out there. There's hurting people right in here. And those are opportunities for us to share hope because we live in a world without much hope. And we can do that in our day-to-day lives, where we work, where we live, wherever we are. People need hope. They need to hear good news. And we can share that good news and even more importantly, be that good news to them. That's what we're called to do, utilizing every opportunity to share the good news. We also need to utilize every opportunity to prepare our church for a new pastor. Well, in conclusion, we need to use this interim time to prepare our church for a new pastor. We need to also make ourselves ready, watching and waiting for the coming of Christ our King. We don't know when Christ may return. As Jesus said to his disciples, but about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert, for you do not know when that time will come. The question we need to ask ourselves is this. Will we be ready? Will we be ready? Whoever has the ears to hear, let that one hear what the Spirit says of the church. Amen. This time I'm going to invite the band to come forward. And as they're coming forward, I want to extend an invitation to you. All of us live in a variety of interims. But one of the most basic interims we're living in is as Christians. We don't know when Christ may return. And we need to be prepared whenever that happens by living the good news, by being the good news wherever we may be. And so I want to ask you that question. Maybe you have wandered away from Christ over the past few months or years. Maybe you've missed out on serving Him. It may be that you don't even know Christ. You may know Christ here, but not here in your heart. Christ is here with us this morning and invites you to receive him into your life. And he can provide us with a completely new and transformed life. Maybe you've known him and walked with him for years, but maybe you've wandered away for one reason or another. I want to extend an invitation to you to come forward to recommit your life to Christ. To be his servant so that you might live and be the good news and always be prepared whenever Christ returns. So I extend that invitation to you. I invite you to come forward. If you don't know Christ as your Lord or Savior, I invite you to come forward to make that commitment, to experience his life-changing grace. And if you'd like to rededicate or recommit your life to Christ, I invite you also to come forward as the band plays.